I was quite floored by the fact that and I've interviewed some major figures before, but I'd never come across somebody who was quite as disarming as, as Gorbachev was. And, you know, it remains a, a great privilege for me to have been in that sort of same room with him. I studied and became an anthropologist at Oxford and um, moved into the film world kind of by accident, doing anthropological films originally. And then after many years moving in and out of the BBC and other companies, became an independent filmmaker and started working with Werner Herzog. I have now worked with Werner over 30 years on, I think this Gorbachev film was my 16th film with him in some capacity or other, although this is the first one that we co-directed rather than him directing and me producing. I think like a lot of life, or certainly like a lot of my life, it was Happen's Chance. Um, I made a film a few years ago called Night Will Fall about, um, about the Holocaust. That film was part commissioned by a German broadcaster. As a result of it, it was quite a successful film internationally, and as a result, the German government gave grants to the state broadcasters, including MDR, to develop new films with people who had worked for them before. And 90% of these people were German companies. But because of Night Will Fall, um, we were one of the outsiders being invited in to try and make a film that would be of interest to MDR in Leipzig. And we realised that very surprisingly, very little had been done about Gorbachev himself. And we knew he was still alive. We knew he was quite elusive, not, not doing much in terms of uh, television or film. Um, and so, in a way, MDR put the challenge in my direction. Uh, let's see if we can get a film together about Gorbachev. And when we managed to go across to Moscow to see his, his team, his research people, we were told that he wasn't really keen to do any film at the moment because, and this took me by surprise, because Leonardo DiCaprio had decided to try and do a feature film about Gorbachev with Leonardo DiCaprio playing Gorbachev. And I think because of the twinkle of Hollywood that lay over that project, they were therefore holding everybody else off. We managed then to persuade them that, look, if I brought a redoubtable filmmaker like Werner Herzog on board and we conducted something very serious, it wouldn't clash with Leonardo DiCaprio. We could do something as well. Meeting Gorbachev is burdened by history. Please allow me to explain myself. I am a German, and the first German that you probably met wanted to kill you. <laughs> the Soviet Union was in full decline. There's a line in um, the archive footage that you have of Gorbachev when he's amongst a crowd on the streets. Someone advises him, you need to get closer to the people, and then he sort of jokes, gets everyone going, saying, how much closer can I get? I'm right here. So my question is, and I think a lot of our listeners um, who are already sold on the subject matter, uh, will be extremely interested in how it felt for you as a team uh, to be face to face with a man of such importance. So how did it feel to meet Gorbachev? 
And I think the film basically exposes that, that, that he was very quick to almost seduce the interviewer. He was, he was charismatic, he was charming, uh, he had this continuous twinkle in his eye, he laughed, he cared about who you were, he talked to the whole team. He was, um, and from that point of view, he was disarming. It, it, was, it, was, it was, on the one hand, a huge privilege. As you say, he was a great figure. I, 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 I respected the fact he was a great figure before we went to see him and interview him. Um, and afterwards, I felt even more so, because I think Werner Herzog expressed it in early part of the film that what he said came across as absolutely genuine. You, you felt you don't have to agree with what he says or what he did, but you knew that his heart was behind it. There was no deviousness behind um, what he wanted to achieve and what he did. He, he went wrong, things went wrong for him. Um, but you generally felt that this was a man who cared about what he was doing um, and was not trying to deceive his audience or me or the filmmakers. I think you have to remember that this is a man who was at the peak of his powers and popularity 30 years ago. He has not had a political role since. So here, here was somebody who had achieved what nobody thought could be achieved and climbed to the top of the Soviet hierarchy, started to implement absolutely huge changes, um, was enormously popular both inside the Soviet Union and internationally for a period of time. Um, because he changed the world, and I don't think anyone denies that. And then it all crumbled. And from then on, he has become, um, and it doesn't need me to tell everybody, is aware that he has become the scapegoat for, um, if you like, the breakup and the end of what was an empire, the Soviet Empire. And he's an easy scapegoat because, ironically, he is not the one that wanted it broken up. Um, he was just the one who refused to use force to keep it together, and therefore the forces around him were too great and, and he couldn't hold it together. Even though he now is very stubborn and doesn't want to leave Moscow, um, he, is, he is regarded with extreme hostility and disdain in Russia. Uh, I find that a tragedy because I think, you know, I think we tend to be outside Russia, be more respectful of our past leaders. Um, and I think he deserves better, right, myself. Um, and so, there is definitely an aura of tragedy about somebody who wanted to achieve so much, did achieve so much in fact, but wanted to achieve much more, never got the chance to do it for whoever's fault, 
um, and is regarded with such dislike by his own people. And I think that's a, that's a, a major political tragedy. And he, say, he says in the film, in sort of more specifically in answer to your question, he says, you know, when I was a child, I joined the party as a child. I was a communist. My father was, my grandfather was, and I've been in politics ever since. And today he still regards himself as that political figure, although he wanted to democratise um, his communist beliefs. He was really more a social democrat than he was a, a rigid communist. Um, and, and I think that's been a sincere political belief his whole life, and he hasn't changed. Did you sense him to be a happy man? No, I think he was, he was a very sad, very lonely. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, it's exceptionally patronising for someone like me to have to feel sorry for someone like Gorbachev. I mean, that shouldn't be the situation, but, but it, inevitably one does. You know, they, since his wife died, his family live in Berlin and he doesn't see much of them. He lives in rather decrepit surroundings in his small dacha outside Moscow. He's surrounded by people who don't like him. Um, uh, he's dedicated to writing now. He writes quite a lot and still does. He's physically in decline. Um, he's, he's quite ill, ill and out of hospital while we were there and now even more so. Um, you know, he, you could, could not describe that as a happy man. Yeah, because I was noticing, uh, you know, even the way he answered questions, he, he took his time, he was slow. Uh, perhaps that's just the way he, he speaks nowadays. But I couldn't help but think that, of course, his age now is 88, and he's not only reflecting on his political career, but he's also reflecting on some younger days. So mm. I wondered how that was making him feel whilst talking to you guys. I like to feel that... Uh, this film and its profile around the world, because it's being shown very much internationally, has kind of given him a little bit more lease of life in expressing his views and in, in being able to talk again, being listened to. So you now find him more in newspapers. He's in a Time magazine article, a very interesting one he wrote this week about the end of the Cold War and the Berlin Wall. He's on radio, he's on television, and, and what he says is very hard for anybody, even those who don't like him in, in, in Russia, to disagree with. You know, he wants nuclear weapons destroyed, uh, he wants the environment to be looked after more, he wants more democracy, he, I mean, he, 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 he ticks so many boxes of what one hopes a sensible, rational public should support, that you, know, you, you wonder why we haven't listened to him for so long. And so it's quite, I think it's quite nice now, and I hope the film has helped that, that in his last period of time on this earth, that he's able to push those ideas once again that he started pushing back in the 1980s. I find very pleasing that what on the surface of it is a discussion between two elderly gentlemen should 
find itself in a cinematic form. You know, it's very difficult in the documentary world, it's very difficult to get films shown in cinemas. And they usually have to be very, very dramatic in order to do so. Um, this is not one of those films. This is Werner Herzog sitting down and talking to a very elderly Mikhail Gorbachev. And yet somehow it works because people in all the showings we've had of it, and I'm hoping now the cinema showings that begin this week and that go around the country, all showings of it, people have continuously come up and said, you know, it's not what I expected. It's, it's, it's engrossing discussion between these men. It raises so many issues. So both as a filmmaker and as somebody who also cares about those same issues, somebody who lived through the Cold War as I did, um, feels a, a sense of satisfaction that we've actually got something and a formula and a, a charisma between two men that can put across a lot of ideas that quite honestly in this day and age, in an age of Trumpism and whatever, you, we absolutely need some kind of faith in political leadership. And I'm hoping that people will now look back at Gorbachev as a kind of golden era of what politics at that time could mean and almost meant.